The Full Toss Podcast from Chester Borton Hall. Yes, the podcasts just keep on coming. Right, so you are most welcome to the Full Toss with myself, Jim Law, and Lee Dixon talking everything Chester Borton Hall and a little bit more besides. And I'm delighted to say that there's an international feel to the programme this time round. I say international, or what I really mean is Welsh. That's because our main guest on the full toss is Will Owen, ex-Chester Bolton Hall all-rounder. Before that, of course, he was an all-rounder with Glamorgan County Cricket Club and he'll be joined too by the current Glamorgan County Cricket Club one-day captain, David Lloyd. That's your full toss podcast. Jim Law and Lee Dixon. The full toss. What's on at Chester Bolton Hall? So, Lee, it's good to be back again, and uh, it's a busy old time at Chester. Yeah, it certainly is. Obviously, on the back of uh, such a busy weekend with the sponsored walk and also the lockdown quiz, you know, two completely different events, but both uh, obviously make one so happy. You know, the walk as a one-off event was absolutely fantastic, and I know uh, the special that went out earlier in the week really encapsulated what, what went on with that. And then the lockdown quiz just keeps giving the numbers stay really really high and you know testament to the killers and uh and jack williams for that yeah absolutely i missed it last week i must admit but uh it is still going strong it's good it's good and it's a uh, high scores if you notice yeah the scores are high and that's the beauty of uh, dave caloran's quizzes you know even for someone like me who's not a natural egghead uh i can still score pretty well so uh, I think he does a really good job of keeping everyone included. And obviously he's got... oh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of Googling going on, you know. Well, obviously in North Wales, we don't have the internet. So uh, <laughs> our, our score, you know, is normally quite a true reflection. That's why we finished in the bottom half. But uh, no, they've done a fantastic job. And the fact that he's put Harry into like quizzing apprenticeship, ready to take the baton on in years to come is is really lovely. But uh no, that, that's been fantastic. And then obviously rolling on to this week, uh, plenty going on at the ground, Jim. Yes, very much so. Uh, it's a great view from here. I mean, apart from the ground looking immaculate, we've got some special guests up here who are uh, you know, hard at work. Well, the, I think the thing is, is just for some of the members, um, obviously we put a, a press release out through the website this week, the fact that uh, the ground would be uh, unable to be accessed, isn't it, between 9 and 5 or 9 and 5.30? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just while um, at the moment it's it's quite a few of the England players or England squad players out there going through the paces through the uh, kind of the COVID framework um, as an you know and we've been chosen as this training hub an outground what a superb honour for the club um, and then uh, you know so we can't we can't at the moment have anyone up during that time. No, absolutely. I think the locals have respected that as, as, as well. I mean, we've got a. A sort of a security bubble around the place. Obviously, uh, you can't have people nearby, uh, and you have to respect the fact that these these players are elite athletes. Uh, they need the facilities, and they look as if they're enjoying themselves. You know, they've certainly been working pretty hard this week. Uh, the ground 
They're, they're on, is immaculate, there's all the equipment they need. It's very strictly, you know, you have a, you have a gym tucked away there. Uh, everybody has to bring their own cricket balls. It's all one-to-one coaching. Uh, I think the nearest they, they seem to get to each other is 22 yards when you've got to the likes of Jimmy Anderson you know, throwing it into uh, to Mr. Jennings. But it's, uh, it's they're, they're all they're all looking in pretty good nick, um, and they look as, they look as if they're all enjoying the facilities. I have to say. I must admit, Jim, when you say you've got to bring your own ball, I can just picture Jimmy Anderson <laughs> having to wait for his Amazon delivery from or a Sports Direct package to come in a jiffy bag with his. His four-pound slasenger turning up. I know. Apparently, at Old Trafford, what they've been doing is is you drive up. You can imagine this, can't you? You kind of you kind of drive up. You wait your turn. You get out of the car. You got your little kit bag with you. You go in. You wave to somebody from a distance. Shout you know, hello to somebody else. Uh, go out in the middle, do your own bit, and then apparently go home because you, you need the toilet. Um, it's it looks like it's going to be pretty similar here. Well, it, it, what's exciting for me is, uh, from a playing perspective, is, is that the first team uh, at Chester, we're going to uh, try our version of, of this COVID training as of Thursday night from six to eight, uh, where we've uh, got the first team squad uh, paired off um, into three separate areas, doing a very, very similar thing. Not, not quite to the standard of the England lot, but uh, we're going to try and uh, get out there and do a little bit of training, uh, obviously socially distanced, just try and get the lads together again, uh, use the facilities. Because as you said, the ground at the moment, it's almost painful to come down there because it's in such good order. Um, and, and I think that's the thing is just try, you know, try and enjoy it. Dave Atkins been absolutely superb. Um, Dave really has been um, feeding into the management committee about the uh, guidelines. And, you know, those documents are, long and relatively turgid kind of documents and he's really got stuck into them and given us some fantastic pointers and advice yeah you're absolutely right and he's he's working hard there again uh, has been this this week uh, he's been talking to the uh, the, the lancashire uh, health and safety expert and he's he's our eyes and ears really on on all of that uh, apart from making sure the facilities are up to scratch around and about uh, all the touch points are being cleaned so you have Tommy Evans uh, and, and Keggy going around and, and just making sure that those, those key areas are, are tidied up and cleaned around every every hour. Really are strict rules, and Dave's, Dave's absolutely on top of it. He's a good man. No, it's, it's really important that, obviously, you know, with such a fantastic opportunity uh, for us as a club to, to kind of showcase what a fantastic venue it is. And, you know, each year that we've made so much effort to improve the ground and the infrastructure... You know, I spotted last week that Keggy and Jim Gilson were putting up a, a new netting on the back of the nets, which the members will be able to enjoy when the nets are open for the members, which is fantastic, which really adds to the, the, the ability to view the ball out the nets. Uh, we've had the AstroTurfs cleaned. Um, and, and look, before we get round to cricket, I think people notice a real uh, uplift in, in the ground, which I find hard to believe because it was, it was always in such good order anyway. Yeah, absolutely right. And of course, the one thing then we are missing is the, the fantastic social facilities. But uh, again, you know, talking to uh, Adam Roberts, uh, as soon as we're able to do anything, an outdoor bar or cafe of some sort, then uh, we're, I think we're pretty well, well placed to do it. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's certainly where it's based at the moment, obviously, in the, in the hub of the community. Um, it would be an ideal place as well. There's plenty of space for people to socially distance, plenty of place for young people to be able to move around and get their exercise in. And uh, it'd just be good as well, because obviously 
it's a you know it's a family isn't it like any cricket club up and down the land you know it's where you go to hang out with your friends your family and uh, it's just a very natural place to migrate to and uh, I think that's the thing for us now is that we're desperate to get our members back whether it be football whether it be cricket and uh, get them using the facilities again. You're right. And you know what? At times like this, you realise just that. Uh, in the local community have been coming around. We've got uh, a fair few new members who've just kind of said, well, we, we, we love the place. We want to support it. Uh, we, we want to walk our dogs around, as everybody does. Um, and we just like the uh, the open airness around it. So uh, we, we, we'd like to join. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and, and they have, which is which is great. Yeah. And, and, and from a playing perspective, I know the, the chairman, Chris Fleet, has been pushing hard in the background to make sure that we we try if we can to get as much of uh, the membership fees in as we can without obviously pushing people too hard but you know any sort of contributions towards the the fees um it doesn't look like we will have any cricket at the moment but the club still has to roll on and we still have to uh pay the bills and do all that so uh, if there's any players out there you know i know i did i, I paid a 30 pound contribution last month and this month um but, you know, whatever you've got, you know, the, the, the club will really appreciate. And obviously on the back of such a fantastic fundraising effort from Simon as well, um, it does mean the club's in a, a slightly stronger financial position. It does. We'll be raring to go, Lee, in about September. You know that, don't you? You know the cricket season will be allowed to work from probably September. <laughs> well, 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 if there was anywhere that would try, um, it would probably be us. And uh, but I'm sure Keg, I know what Keggy gets like in September. He'll be he'll be lining up a holiday somewhere. So, um, we, you know, we may have to cut the wicket ourselves. But at the moment, the ground looks fantastic, and I'm I'm very hopeful. I've got my fingers crossed that come the first of August that we'll be striding out there in some sort of shape or form to take some cricket on at Falcons Lane. Brilliant. Well, good luck with the training then. We'll, uh, we'll maybe take a couple of recordings from down there and uh, have a chat with the lads and uh, make sure you bring your own cricket balls. <laughs> well done. Cheers, Jim. Cheers. The Full Toss Podcast from Chester Borton Hall. So, uh, very much an international feel to the programme this evening, uh, with Lee being based in Flint and our good friend Chester Glamorgan et al. Willowin, based in Broughton, which I think, Will, is just about in Wales, isn't it? Very close to the border, Jim, but just on the right side. Very close to the border. How's it going in Wales and lockdown and everything else? Your rules are slightly different there, aren't they? Um, yeah, slightly different. I'm not exactly sure what they are, but uh, just trying to stay home, really, and uh, keep safe. Good. Well, we've got a great lineup for you here because you know, you know Lee is champing at the bit to just... Just absorb every little bit of what's happened in Wales over the last 22, 32 years even, since uh, since you popped out, popped into the world from St Asif in 1988. I've done my homework, Will. Lee, yes. am I right with that, Lee? Uh, I'm extremely excited. I've uh, spent at least 15 minutes researching Will's life on Wikipedia today, so hopefully his mum has spelled everything correctly for this year <laughs> and we can really get stuck it. in. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, uh, uh, Willow, obviously, welcome to the pod. Um, fantastic to have you on. Um, with a first-class background, it almost makes you kind of a celebrity as well, which is great, which means we'll get more hits, which is brilliant. Um, Going to dive straight in. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, obviously, for you, um, from North Wales, you know, somewhere where I live at the moment, what a fantastic place in the world it is. Um, second to Baghdad of all the places I've been to, but it really is fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what, 
for you starting out, obviously you didn't start at Chester. Uh, you started at the Prostatton Cricket Club, is that right? Yeah, well, firstly, thanks, uh, Lee. Love the introduction. Um, yeah, Prostatton was the start for me. Um, Prostatton High School, I went and spent um, a few years there trying to, trying to study. Um, but cricket was always sort of at the forefront. So, yeah, starting it down on the coast there at Prostatton. Um, spent many hours down there messing around with, with my mates and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's it? where it started. What was the idea you going down there? Did you have a link there? Was your dad there? Um, do you know what? My dad played a bit, um, but not massively. I think it was just sort of mutual friends and what have you in school. Um, and you just follow your mates, certainly, and ended up at the cricket club um, and loved it. Loved every minute. So quite early on, cricket-wise, did, did you realise that you had a, a bit of a talent or was, was it a kind of a slow burner to start? Um. To be honest, yeah, I mean, I was fat, slow, unathletic, so not really, there wasn't, I wouldn't say I was the most talented, um, but I enjoyed it, and um, yeah, just, just had a bit of fun, really, um, n nothing more than that, I suppose, just playing for Prasatin, um, played a little bit for North East Wales, um, as I sort of got a bit older, 12, 13, um, but no, never really shone in, in any sort of age group stuff. So, so for for you at Prostatin, though, it's probably quite a a good place for you to start out because obviously, if you were just trying to get your feet in cricket, the opportunities were there, and they've obviously managed through the help of North East Wales as well to get you into the first team quite quickly. Yeah, well, it's, it kind of did happen quite quickly. Um, yeah, sort of from the age of I think I made my my thirteen debut at fourteen. So um, I, I kind of grew a bit. I lost a bit of weight, got a bit fitter, a bit stronger. Um, and luckily, it's, you know, people talk about timing in sport all the time. Um, and there was an opportunity there. And, and, you know, I was kind of there at the right time. Um, young, enthusiastic, loved it. And they threw me in. Um, at the time, just after playing in, in the Liverpool comp, which was, as you probably know, no sort of... Um, I suppose easy starting ground you know it was ruthless cricket um, there were some serious serious players on show serious overseas players signed um, it was really sort of tough cricket um, which was, I was think a, probably sorry mate was there an overseas just talking about overseas was there an overseas at Prostatin while you were there that had like a real impact on your cricket there um, a couple, really. We we had um, two or three local South Africans uh, which played uh, for us um, and they tended to use their connections to bring over a South African each year. And generally, um, in that league, you know, you look for a, a gun spinner or someone quick to scare the life into everyone, you know, <laughs> just, 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 just old school club cricket. And we always seem to go for quick bowlers and... To name a few, Hilroy Pulse, uh, Mario Oliver, all played sort of first-class provincial stuff in South Africa. Um, so it did it, it straight away gave me something to aspire to, someone that was far better than me, but someone maybe I wanted to to be like or or you know become. Um, so in that sense, yeah. I I think just look, looking through like uh, for someone who grew up at a, a similar size club. Um, it's that opportunity then, the ability to take responsibility during the games. I, I, you know, I had a little look at, at play cricket like most of us do, and I see you've got a, 
a five wicket hold against Oral Red Triangle quite early on in your uh, yeah. in your in your career. There is at that point you looked like you were taking the new ball. Were you just running in and bowling quick or? Yeah, again, so I was restricted to the amount of overs I could bowl at that age. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you know. At 15, it was about five overs in the spell, maybe even four at that point. Two spells of four, um, which was, you know, for a young, quick bowler, it's probably perfect. You know, I just wanted to run in, bowl every ball as quick as I could. And I was pretty much exhausted after four overs. So, you know, in that sense, that, that, that restriction, that rule actually you know probably helped helped me um i'm not sure it's the case for everyone um in 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 development but um certainly for the way i went about my business it was it was good and it gave me that in into the team they gave me the new ball four overs up top If, if i came off took a couple of wickets great if i didn't i'm off after four overs anyway i can't complain so you know it did it just worked well um I think that I think that rule actually really did help, um, especially young quick bowlers uh, who wanted to make an impact. Instead of people seeing them as a luxury, it actually helped balance teams. Where yeah. it was like, oh, do you know what? He can only bowl eight overs, or he can only bowl twelve overs. So yeah, he can come in, he can bat in the middle order, and he can have a little bowl, and all of a sudden you're balancing your team a little bit better. It it, it managed my expectations straight away. Now you know. There's no probably 14, 15 year olds who expect to walk into first team cricket and get every opportunity under the sun anyway. But I knew straight away what my Saturday was looking like before it even started. So that again gave me real sort of clarity and real focus on look, you're going in there, your job is to take a couple of wickets up top and come back for a second spell before, you know, at some point, you know. And and I was happy with it. I was over the moon, loved it. So, so for you, obviously, you've, you've touched on North East Wales, um, and that's obviously for people in, in Cheshire, it's always Cheshire youth cricket, um, and Wales is such a, a vast country, um, they, they do split it up. Did you have anyone in particular that you played with at North East Wales that um, went on and played a high level of cricket also? Um, well, certainly my age... Um in terms of Wales cricket, so national representation, we had, uh, I would say, five out of the 11 players for the Welsh under-15 side were from North Wales. Uh, four were from Aruri, and then that was the first year I broke through, so 15, I was the one from North East Wales. Um, but in terms of going on to further, further honours, um, none of those guys, unfortunately, went on. Um, but pretty much, you know, David Lloyd at the moment, albeit he's a good few years younger than me, um, he obviously is the shining light at the moment coming from North Wales and currently, you know, vice captain and captain of the one day side for Glamorgan. So, well, uh, well, thanks so much for ruining his in, in his intro because it wouldn't be a North East Wales podcast special edition <laughs> if we didn't have David Lloyd available. So, David, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Cheers, lads. It's nice to be uh, asked to join in to this yeah, podcast and I'm delighted to, to be able to be here. Obviously, this is the, the Will Owen special, so we will be uh, yeah. predominantly talking about Will, David. But yeah. I'm sure if you want to come on late, uh, later on in the series, we'd love to have you. Um, yeah. I have been given a few little bits of information just so some of our, um, not actually to cricket this, just, just, just about you, is that you actually yeah. uh, started at the Brimbo Cricket Club in Wrexham, is that right? 
Yeah, so I started there when probably I was around seven or eight. Obviously, my, my dad and my whole family kind of were brought up around there, played there. So it was more or less natural for me to to kind of go straight into that to that club. So, yeah, I started then and until I was about 18, I think, and all changed from there, really. How, how will your family members feel about you being on a Chester-based podcast coming from Wrexham? Because obviously, normally, yeah. che- Wrexham lads get bussed into Chester for the home games. <laughs> I know. So I are know. we going to have to encrypt this or put your name in in a different way so people don't realise you've been on? To be fair, when Will messaged me saying, do you mind taking part in a Chester podcast, I did kind of think, well, this is a bit dodgy, this. Um, as a massive... <laughs> As a massive Wrexham fan as well, it's um, yeah, a bit dodgy, but obviously helping out Will and ob- any cricket team is always always great. So, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to see Chester doing something like this, which I suppose a lot of clubs could, could follow suit, really. So, well done to you all. Well, it's, ma- it's mainly Jim's idea, but, you know, I, I don't think uh, Jim's anywhere near as rude or slightly cheeky as I am, so oh, I this works quite well as a pair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for you obviously we just touched on uh, North East Wales um, yeah. for, for you and Will at what point uh, Lloydie was the first time where you two got to play together uh, oh, well I, I don't know the answer to this I, I've got a great photo actually one of the few photos I'm allowed up in my house at the moment due to my wife is dominating the photo game um, but there's a there's a good photo at Chelmsford, Lloydie, where oh, um, well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I've just got a wicket celebrated. You were the first one in, massive bear hug, loving yeah. life. So um, I don't yeah, know whether so that's that, the first one though. I reckon that would be in our first first team game together. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. I yeah. reckon we must have played a few second team games. Oh, I know together um, before. It was Essex as well, wasn't it? Essex oh, away. yeah. When I, yeah, I made my debut and they had, was it Alex Tudor, Morris yeah. Chambers? Westfield. Uh, Westfield. And who was that spinner? Um, ben Phillips. Phillips. Is it? That's it, yeah. Did they have, no, they didn't have Palladino there as well. Yeah, they, had Pal- as second, they had Palladino as well, yeah. Yeah, as second team attack goes, you know, that's pretty much gone, isn't it? Amazing. It, yeah, it's it's pretty good, and it's going to take us quite a lot of time to pick all those big names up off the floor uh, in this uh, club cricket <laughs> podcast. So that's that's an amazing start for us. We'll be able to hashtag and link all these people in. Fantastic. <laughs> Talking about that game at Chelms, uh, Chelmsford, is it Chelmsford yeah. or Chelford? <laughs> um, that, Chelmsford um, yeah. that you played in. I've heard you talk about this will before. The fact that the the Essex fans aren't always the most accommodating. They're ruthless. They're ruthless. That's one place I think you go to play and you dread actually fielding 20 overs, being called every name under the sun. And then I remember last year, a couple of years ago, the captain, Colin Ingram, told me to get loose. Like, oh, this was like over 14. And I hadn't even warmed up before the game. I was like, you sure? Like, they were. They must have been. They were flying. They had Tom Wesley, I think, the power in, and he called me on. He was like, "Yeah, you're bowling next over." I was like, "Wow, okay." And then <laughs> obviously, over got through. Dave Everest won over. Walked back down to deep square, 
just got heckled constantly <laughs> for the rest of the game. And you walk off, you walk off, and you've got little kids calling you a ginger so-and-so and whatever. <laughs> And the, pa- hey. the, pa- the parents are egging them on. It's like, what the hell is going on here? But it's good because when you do, say, win a game there, I think that's when that picture means a lot with Will because when you do get a wiki or something, it's just the emotions you go through. is yeah. It's pretty good because they're, they're all against you and then you're one team trying to take them all on, really. So it is, it is good. So, so, for, so for you, Willow, obviously... A lot of you, a lot of the people who've seen you play, certainly uh, when you were in the professional game, associate you with running in and bowling, well, quick, basically. Um, is, is that something that took a lot of hard work or that was quite natural when you were at Glamorgan? Um, do you know what? It's, it's, it was just all grit and determination. Um, if you actually look at my sort of, fitness results, speed, agility, all the key things, power, all the key things they're kind of looking for in, in your perfect quick bowler the, the, this day and age. I, I didn't have anything, but what I, what I did have, my aerobic capacity, I would, I would just run and run and run. Um, so I was, you know, I was very aerobically fit, but I think what I actually did was develop um, a sort of mental toughness in me um, and I was able to push myself to places where maybe some others couldn't go or didn't want to go. Um, and I think that for a period stood me in good stead to compete at that level. I didn't think I, I was necessarily um, talented enough or, 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 or as talented as some others. Um, but I made up for that just in determination, running every ball 110%. Um, but obviously... The downside to that is, you know, you're on a, a one-way mission to to break down, <laughs> which, you know, obviously leads us on to, to, to where my sort of career ended up. But I firmly believe if I didn't have that approach, um, I wouldn't have been able to, to compete at the sort of first-class level, um, even for the short sort of short space of time that, that I did. So, Lloydie, just on well as a, as a bowler, um, was was he always associated with being someone who was kind of brought into the attack to take a wicket, or was he seen as kind of a more skillful kind of spell-related bowler who build pressure? Um, yeah, I think especially early on, it, it, he was frighteningly quick, and um, I think any batter who would see Will at the end of his run-up would kind of. Yeah, they mentally they'd rather face someone who was obviously slower. But he he had that fear fear factor about him, and I remember facing him in nets, and he just always wanted to hurt you. And he he's a bloke who, similar to me, he'd always get red missed, and even if you're on the same side of nets, he would always give you a bit of stick or whatever. And that's what really gave him that extra bit of factor in his game, and that's what batters didn't want. So. To have someone like him on your side, it was perfect. Um, just the sheer aggression, pace, and obviously, I know I'm blowing his own trumpet, right? But it's um, no, he, he was not many. Not many teams had someone like him in their team, and like you say, the I think the older he got, the more skillful he got became as well. Um, even with injuries, and his pace slightly dropped, he always he probably skill wise improved. A fair bit. Um, 
So yeah, he was he, he was a luxury really to have as a I suppose as a captain, even though I wasn't. The do you know? Then. Do you know just on that, Lloydie, and yeah. in terms of the netting and stuff like that, I always felt that again that I couldn't just roll through a net session at sort of fifty percent. When I yeah. like I look at someone like Hogs or a Waggy can yeah. use their practice, use their nets to work on things because you know they have that belief or they're they're good enough to still get picked in the eleven the next day. Yeah. They're able to almost not drift, but just roll through a session and still get picked in the eleven. Whereas I never felt that I was a that I was in that sort of position. So my ultimate my ultimate aim of every net session was to hit someone in the head and then knock yeah. their, knock their off stump out. Like, I'm, but, but again, that, it, that was your game, though, wasn't it? That if you didn't do that, then that was something you weren't in the team to do, wasn't it? You were there to to bowl quick, hurt people, and and how and yeah, yeah, because and yeah, I think that's the main thing is what you said is like you've got to train the way you want to play, and a lot of players train completely opposite ways to how they play, which is totally irrelevant. So, by learning how you can train to benefit your own game is is ideal, especially at I suppose at a young age you were you you found that pretty pretty quickly. It's quite it's quite interesting because obviously I've seen you evolve in the last couple of years, Will, where you've had to take a step back, not just from when when you had to cut your run up down and you know, Lloydie mentioned about you becoming a lot more skillful and but still having a mindset where you still you have this rate. You know, I remember one day you're bowling about sixty miles an hour at this point because your body's <laughs> failing you, and you still bump and you still tried to bump someone and it it, it did disappear into the canal. And like you, I was, I was at mid off at the time, and you just gave me a massive spray. And <laughs> I, and I, I thought, well, it, it was like listening to your bird. It was like I know it's not my fault, but I'm gonna have to soak this up here because I need him to finish the over. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. It, it, it's that, it's that, it's that thing though. You know, my, my mind had been wired to do something for a period of time that now ultimately, I, like, you know, I wasn't willing to accept that. I can't do that anymore. My body's not going to let me do it. And it sounds delusional. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But I still believe that even off two steps or whatever, I can hit this guy in the head and then I'm going to knock his off stump out because that's what I've done my whole life. But then yeah. it just, my body wasn't backing that up. Um, we, we, so, we, the... we, see, we see it all the time in the chest and nets. So obviously, you're our first team coach. Um, and, you know, your match has always been training, you know, train as you play, push yourself. And for some old arses like myself, don't really appreciate um, the, the bowling machine cranked up after work at 85 on an uneven, <laughs> on an uneven surface going, suck it up. Um, <laughs> while you're there chuckling away. Um, but I, I know from speaking to some of the younger players, someone like a George McCormack, he's benefited massively from just taking your ethos into his net sessions now where he's working on something all the time yeah look i think you know the game and as you as you grow older through experience you, you start to understand it and you start to you know it's it's so such a mental game and you know it's about your mindset how you approach it you can have very little ability and talent but if your mindset's right and you know what you're trying to do you know, you can be successful. Um, and I think it's just those little tweaks that certainly, you know, I feel as a coach where I can kind of come from a different angle to someone like a George, um, you know, 
just to to try and give him a different sort of thought process than oh I'm just I'm just here to run in and 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 bowl to the batter and you know oh lovely hopefully one does something and I get him out well no it's not hopefully it's what's your plan what you're trying to do now go and go and do that go and execute it um, so that's you know but it's taken me you know I'm 31 now and I started playing when I was 11 say so you know it's taken that amount of time to actually to understand these things. So, so for you, obviously, I'm. You know, we've got so much that we could talk about. So, I apologise if we don't kind of hit on every single point. You know, for you, um, is there one particular career highlight for you at Glamorgan? There, um, difficult, really. Um, I think in terms of standout games, um, always playing the London teams are great. You know, the Oval. Lords, um, I've played, you know, um, they're always a standout. Um, but also things like opening the ball with Simon Jones, he was sort of my my hero growing up. Um, he was great sort of mentor for a lot of lads, you know, when he came back to Glamorgan. Um, he, he took a lot of lads under his wing and shared his experience and stuff. Um, so little things like that, um, but it's difficult to... to to just pick, you know, sort of one thing out of thin air. Um, yeah. The, Lloydie, just obviously kind of, like I said, we're, we're having to condense quite a long period into such a short time. You obviously yeah. saw Will battling with his injuries and, and ultimately having to retire from the professional game at a very yeah. young age. As a, as a friend to him, was there a point where you're watching him train, watching him play where that you kind of almost not want to say, look, mate, you've, you've, all, you've done enough, you know, stop killing yourself. Or was he always just coming back, rehabbing, trying again? Yeah, like, to be fair to Will, he was, from a young age, looking up to him, he was always kind of the, the professional you wanted to be because he would be first in the gym, he'd watch his diet. Perfect. And um, I remember we moved in together, he bought a flat in Cardiff, and it was around the time I think a year or before, year or two before he finished. And we got we got on, we got really close, kind of did a lot of things together. And um, obviously, the more we got on, he started struggling a bit more with his hips and his shoulder as well. Will? It was at one point, yeah, broke the shoulder, yeah. yeah. And um, to, I think I remember right. I don't know if I was wrong, but you had to prove you had to bowl a certain amount of overs to see. If they can, would keep you on for the year after. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, yeah. My eight, I, I double stress fracture my back. Um, it was late in the season, I think. It was about probably yeah. September. Um, contract was up, and my agent at the time rang me and said, "Look, I've gone into negotiations. Um, they've basically come back with you need to prove your fitness. Bowl twenty overs in the second team game this week." And if you get through that, they'll give you an extension on your contract. So I was in a dilemma yeah. then. Do, do I bowl with a broken back for 20 overs this week and get another deal? Or or do I look after myself and obviously, you know, finish playing cricket? And in the end, I did it, didn't I? I bowled about... Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It, it, showed, it showed your character and your mental strength it, try and prove them wrong and do it even though you're in a world of pain at the time and I think it's, 
it helped a lot of the younger lads coming through, seeing that a lot of the young lads nowadays are moan about slight niggle and they don't want to bowl or play for a couple of weeks. So Will was the perfect example back then to to show these young lads coming through that you've got to get through the pain barriers because you if you can you can still do it and still play because what captains and coaches want is someone like that who push through their barriers, they play for the team and it just goes a long way to that individual as well. So yeah, hats off to what he did and it's a shame it kind of finished the way it did because he could he would still be playing now, maybe not bowling the speed he was, but he he'd still be doing the job because yeah, he's he was a great quick bowler, so yeah. Fantastic. Well Lloydie, thank, thanks so much because we're going to jump onto the Chester stuff now. And obviously, we've already mentioned your ties to Wrexham, so we can't have you on that part of the podcast yeah, for mate. safety reasons. But uh, okay, mate, yeah. it's, it's, it's been a back to Wrexham after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been a pleasure to, see, to have that insight yeah, yeah. In, into Will from obviously a close friend and someone who's yeah. done so well to get to up the top of his game and, and, and captain of the one day side at Glamorgan so well done to you and learn well, learn, you, from, learn from Will because we don't want you to go that same way do we I mean you're welcome to come to Chester sure. I mean but we don't want you to uh, <laughs> you look after you yeah. can I can I? sorry just before you go can I ask you a very quick yeah. question um, we've yes. also got two pros there Lee um, what, what I'm thinking is is older listeners will say that um, if you go back to the 70s 80s and 90s you'd play cricket Saturday in let's say Swansea Sunday you've got a John Player League game up at Aberystwyth with um then monday and tuesday you've got the, the, the rest of that three-day game and then then on the wednesday you're up at headingley because you're playing yorkshire in a in a 60 over game or whatever um that was relentless um is it because the games move forward that much that that injuries happen that this kind of um the stakes have, have raised because in those days you could do it yeah it's i, I yeah I, I think the games change obviously introducing T20 and things like that the game's gone at a quicker pace so players have had to adapt their games whether that's batting or bowling and it's just one of those things where players want to better themselves each year and part of travelling and playing different formats is part and parcel of the game so I think a lot of bowlers nowadays are made into like robots so they need to make sure they can lift heavy weights squat or whatever but yeah it's I think the main issue could be that bowlers are too fit and too mm. kind of physically fit and their bodies can't cope with the pressure on their kind of muscles and that. So it's finding that fine line where you are able to cope through playing all these fixtures and you can play, you go from a four-day to a T20 the next day and it's just focusing, I say more mentally than anything, then that's the issue really players kind of have to deal with. Yeah. That's interesting that Lloyd, you know, the introduction of um pros now going twelve twelve month contracts before, you know, mm. in previous times it was six month contracts, they had the winter off. Um, yeah. so these boys now are, are in the gym every day during the winter, lifting lifting weights, getting physically fit, trying to inch every last percentage out of out of their body. Um, um try, I, you know I think on. they can uh, I, I'm, I'm just saying this from a few people I've seen, but they can go and forget about the actual cricket side of things. So they lose all focus about whether 
they want to improve their bowling or batting and they sometimes the focus has shifted too much on the fitness side of things which can be can destroy not destroy players but can be a massive can have a massive impact on their kind of season coming up and they forget mm. about doing all the things to improve their game in the in a crucial time really in the winter so mm. you, you almost line. become a, a professional athlete rather than a professional cricketer it is yeah. a fine line yeah yeah you look, you look at some of the best players around the country that you wouldn't say they are kind of look to look at. They're not physically fit, but they can bowl 30 overs in a day and they can bat for a whole day or two and they're, they're, they're fit in a cricket. Lee, kind yeah, of you listen so. to this, Lee. Well, well uh, literally in, in the couple of minutes Lloyd was talking then, I've already reordered my bowling <laughs> shoes because <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I'm man fit. I can, I can well, lift mate, washing yeah, machines, you, you, not, you, not, not dumbbells, I can lift washing machines and I, I, can bowl, <laughs> I can bowl 20 overs in a day and I can field for 100. I just don't move. You've been running like mad as well, haven't you? Yeah, but, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say it's at any great, great pace and I'm normally running to the shop. So <laughs> running for his chippy tea. Yeah, there's not. Well, I, I drop the oars off on the way these days, will I? So I won't worry about that. Brilliant. Cool. Well, thank you for having me anyway. Great stuff. Cheers, Cheers Lloyd. Thanks, thank you. Take care, lads. Cheers. Cheers mate. Uh, so, um, heady days, Will, by the sound of it. Heady days back in uh, back in Glamorgan. And uh, yeah. it really really must have been um, just that relentless travelling and playing cricket and you know, whatever it does to your body. Yeah. Lee, you were gonna, sorry, you were going to talk about Chester. I am. So moving on to Chester now, Willow. Uh, I actually remember yeah, the, 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 the day that we um, got to meet um, through your cousin, Jack Williams, who plays at the club. Uh, it was yeah. obviously came to, uh, at the time I was um, captain of Chester as well. And, you know, we were looking to try and get um, a professional and also looking to get a player into Chester. So it kind of worked quite nicely that when you um, retired from professional cricket, that we got to have a little chat. Um, at that point, what was what was your thought? Because obviously you've just come out of the professional game, you've had to retire from that. What you know, was it an obvious choice or was it kind of well, this is all I know? Um, it was. I can still bowl ninety mile an hour. I'm going to go and play for Chester and tear it up and get a county contract again. No, it wasn't at all. Really. <laughs> um, to be honest, yeah. Obviously, the link with Jacko. Um, you know, was was a good start, um, and obviously over the years, I'd I'd heard back from Jack of, of of sort of the success of Chester and how things work there, and how you know how good a club it is essentially. Um, so I already had a good idea of of sort of what was going on there, um, leading into that sort of meeting with you. Um, but to be honest, the overriding sort of um, factor when you know when I did meet yourself and. And Chris and I think and Jim was there as well, wasn't he? Um, it was just the passion for the club, passion to 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 improve things, passion for the game, um, and you know I, I just I just wanted to buy into it really. Um, and you know at that point, you know everything was still quite positive. I thought obviously start a new chapter, move back up north, move in with my sort of long term uh, girlfriend at the time. Um, and you know this is the start of, of you know the next phase of my life, and it's going to be great. And that you know that was that was that really. 
I, I think uh, looking back on that first season, it really was um, for for someone obviously captain you in, in in for two separate sides. It was certainly the days that your body allowed you. There was definitely flashes of the the willow in that we, we we've been talking about earlier on, where who could run in and be aggressive and be skillful and and try and you know really cause batsmen problems. And then there were certain days where you, 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 it was quite obvious that there was a, a great deal of frustration um, and your body just wouldn't allow you to do anything like what you wanted it to do. How was that trying to juggle that while being at a club where there was an expectation to perform still? Yeah, it was difficult, um, you know, and you, 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 you're dead right there. There was, there, was, there was glimpses. There was when I could grit my teeth enough, I was able to do something. But then the, the consequence of that um, is, is then, you know, a week of not being able to move or having to lie on the changing room floor for an hour after coming off, off the field or whatever. Um, you know, it was difficult. <laughs> it, it, it was, there's no easy way to say it, I suppose. It was, it was tough mentally. Um, again, my mind telling me to do something that my, ultimately my body wasn't allowing me to do. Um, and then along with that, it's the signing to a new club with, you know, a certain amount of expectation, but also a lot of personal pride. Um, you know, I was coming there as the professional into a new league, meeting all these new people um, who, you know, as I gather, were excited to see me perform and, you know, ex-county player coming to Chester and should be taking wickets, should be scoring runs, should be doing all, you know, all singing, all dancing. And it just wasn't happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose then there's, there's a period there of a couple of years where I really had to a bit of soul searching, I suppose, um, and and try and reinvent myself. Um, yeah, and that's well, when I, I was going to say that, that, that there was a natural uh, evolvement of of you as a you know at, at a young age, really, because it's not like you were pushing forty and you, you, your career had passed you by. You know, you obviously remodelled uh, your bowling to make it where you could actually bowl longer spells. Off a much shorter run-up, um, <laughs> in front of the umpire at some stage. Well, well, watching you and Keggy, um, I know um, <laughs> the the year we won the league when um, you and Ross uh, captained uh, Ross captained the league and you captained the cup side. For someone like me, who's a bit of a cricket purist that likes to see two seamers sprinting in and being aggressive, all the things we spoke about earlier. Watching you and Keggy moneyball the league with 55 mile an hour swingers and seamers was was hard work but obviously there was a lot of skill that went into that how, how, how did that, how was that for you obviously because you built up a really nice partnership with Keggy yeah I, I think it was a it was almost a double-edged sword you know I'm exactly the same I enjoy the game of cricket when people are bowling quick people are being positive with the bat and you know people are spinning the ball hard like positive front foot cricket um i can't stand watching your dibbly dobblers or someone who's just trying to slow the game or tie the game up i just it's just not the way i enjoy the cricket to be played so in that sense it was killing me but on the, on the flip side i'd found something where i was actually able to contribute to the team and contribute to the club um i was able to bowl you know 20 overs or whatever it was and 
and, and pick up a few wickets on the way. That's my way of, of contributing. Um, so again, that double-edged sword, and you know, I was I was winning in one sense, but it was eating me up in the other sense. Believe me. That 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 transition, though, we, we spoke about obviously getting the opportunity to captain the team on 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 the Sunday to start with, and then evolving into being the first team captain on a Saturday. That yes. first opportunity you had, where um, obviously in modern cricket now, international cricket, you have different captains for different formats. Um, yeah. In club cricket, that's a little bit more uncommon. Um, and the pitfalls are that, you know, a, a captain on a Saturday is there to win and then a captain on a Sunday is there to win. How did you find that kind of balancing act between trying to give people the opportunities that Sunday cricket can can give them, but also knowing that your job was to make sure that that team was successful? Yeah, it was, it was I suppose, unheard of in club cricket. Generally, you you, you know your bog standards sort of set up in a in a club is you know one first team captain who captains Saturday Sunday midweek and if he's not there then someone steps in for him and that's it he you know one person going to selection one person picking his team one person deciding who's bowling who's batting um, so there was challenges um, but you know ultimately we look at that season and. Uh, we won the league and Cheshire Cup, I think. So, yeah, did, you know, yeah. if you if you look in terms of silverware, you'd say it's a, a success. And I think it was generally, um, you know, although probably Ross and I had quite different ideas. I don't think either of us, um, how can you put it? I don't think either has necessarily helped each other on any given day, um, but we didn't necessarily cause any problems for each other either. Which I think was was key to the to the relationship. Well, um, I think I, yeah. I think one one thing both of you did extremely well, which which sounds a weird thing to say, is that neither you, of you were each other's vice captain, and when yeah. it was their particular day, not that there was a detachment from your leadership role, you were still a senior player. Ross was still a senior player, but there was yeah. very much you know well that's how we're going to play that day, and that's how we're going to play that format, and this is my team this is the way we're going to play. And it's kind of, it made it a lot easier than if it sounds daft, you were best mates constantly trying to almost not upset each other because you two just went at it and followed your own instincts. Yeah. And I think as well, if you, if you look at England now, how they set up as well with Morgan and, and Roos, you know, there's no telling me that they're not very strong characters, but once one steps into the other person's den, they have to control themselves. They have to rein themselves in to perform. You know, Root is still a senior player in Morgan's side, but Morgan is is the captain. He is the number one. What he says goes. So Root may contribute when asked, but ultimately, you know, um, the responsibilities lie with Morgan. And I'm not going to make comparisons of, of, of that, but... In a sense, that is what kind of happened. There was a detachment on when it wasn't my day, um, and there was obviously then I stepped into to the shoes then on the in the cup sort of cricket. So look, it worked well. Um, it may not work for everyone, but I think you know with Ross and my personality and the way we are, I think it, you know it did it did it did have its benefits. So the the following year, Ross moves on, um, and you get the. The, the, the whole the whole gig um again i feel like we're, we're kind of going back to the body but the body was definitely getting to a point now where for someone who was watching you it was getting harder and harder all the time 
for you to, to be able to perform week in, week out. Um, did you did you feel yourself evolving into a, a player coach at that point, like player captain coach? Yeah, so obviously, again, just leading into that, there was um, the, the Cheshire, Cheshire cricket as well, which which did have a huge impact on, on what I was and wasn't able to do um, in terms physically. Um, so by that point, um, basically, in, in my head, my, my playing days were, were done. I was literally playing the game to, to captain, to try and give something back, to try and bring some players through and share my, my experience or, or what have you with as many young lads and whatever I possibly could. That was kind of the, the, the missing piece of the jigsaw. I'd, I'd had to go at everything else in the game, but I never really had a proper crack at, at being captain. Um, you know, and that was, it was something I was passionate about. I enjoy helping the young players. I enjoy seeing them perform. And ultimately, you know, I had this burning sort of desire in, in my stomach that I was given an opportunity at 14 to play in the first team and perform. And that was my foot in the door. And, and I took that and then went on to, to do whatever I did. So I wanted to be able to give someone else that opportunity. Um, hence why, you know, it may have raised a few eyebrows within within the club. Um, you know, some some occasions I overlooked senior players, good, good quality players, good, you know, club cricketers who have been around for a long time. And I kind of overlooked them to to try and get the young lads a game, um, you know, to give them that opportunity, that experience of first team cricket. Um, so again, it kind of through the sort of the the lull of, of not being able to perform and the disappointment of my body's letting me down, blah, blah, blah. I then tried to flip that and 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 see it as a positive. I'm turning that to to try and develop some young players who are going to play the Chester or whatever for the next 10, 15 years, you know. So you you, you touched on uh, your time with Cheshire. I know it was only one year. Um I know that that final game in particular, um we travelled down to uh, Berkshire, who obviously are an extremely strong outfit and have been for a long time. And uh, I know in the car I ride down, I think you and I have both realised that it, there wasn't going to be any more three-day cricket after this. And uh, there was a, a couple of beers and a, and a few songs exchanged on the way down because uh, you, you <laughs> dinted your car in the nesting car park. I, th- I think you were in a foul <laughs> mood. Um, and... I, <laughs> and uh, watching you bowl on the, on the second uh, morning um, after a first day where you, you, you not that you look disinterested because I've never you've never looked disinterested you looked completely beaten down by by your body and yeah. I think you, you you didn't take we had a, someone coaching at the time who, who kind of made a comment about you kind of not moving the way you should have done and you took umbrage a little bit to that and, and you came out the second day and a bit like the story Lloyd, you mentioned before about you bowling with a broken back. You came out and bowled as quick as I'd seen you bowl for a long time. And then that was really, that it was that kind of that moment of, there's, there was no more to give after that. And um, But it was, it was fantastic for the Cheshire lads to have someone of your experience. That's one thing all the lads did say in that year, just to have someone who had that ink, that knowledge um, to be able to pass down to, to the lads when they're out there. Yeah, look, again, it's um, that, you know, when you finish the game and you've been to play first class or whatever, been around some top top players, you know, I think it's so important that you try and 
give something back and, and be around that sort of, you know, and the, the dream was, you know, to play for Cheshire, perform really well, pass on a load of experience, get involved with the coaching, you know, it, it was all that, that's how it was supposed to be, unfortunately, you know, and, you know, it's, it, it's not, it's not great to look back either in some sense, because I'm sure some people thought, oh, he's not trying, he's not asked, he's not bothered, you know, where, which is just totally not, not, not my character. Um, it was just purely pain. Um, and, and that's, that's what it does to you. It makes you grumpy. It makes you disinterested. Like you said there, it probably did come across as disinterested, disinterested. Um, but I can tell you now it was probably just cause I was in agony um, and that's how I dealt with it. So, well, the, th- the thing is, I, I'm, and what I don't want to do is, is obviously we, we know that you had to retire from cricket. You don't need to go over it. Moving yeah. on to your coach, moving on to your coaching. Um, yeah. That's something that obviously, you know, when you came to Chester, that was something that you saw the opportunity to get your coaching badges and develop that while being able to coach at a, a, a semi-professional level. You're working with players like Warren Goodwin, Rick Moore, Jack Williams, Harry Claw, and Alex Money. Just to name a few, plus some fantastic young players, Charlie Fleet, um, George McCormack. You know, you've got the kind of a, a basis of a minor county side there to be able to to coach. Is that is that is that where you see yourself coaching, or was that was that the aim to be able to be able to coach players of that sort of standard, or whether it's a stepping stone or just you know happy for what you're being able to do now? Yeah, look, I think I I always preferred to, to coach at the higher the higher end. Um, just simply because that's the way my my sort of brain was wired at that point. I'd been around the elite environments, and and I wanted to try and pass on the information in in that format, if you like. So Chester again was a perfect sort of fit, um, as you mentioned, number of sort of uh, minor counties players, um, and it was almost a case of yeah, feet 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 first and. And, and and crack on, um, and that's still something I really enjoy today. Um, getting down there with the lads and trying to put on a session to try and, and ultimately it's trying to challenge them each time, try and challenge them in different ways. Um, sometimes I don't like it, but I think yeah, again I part, part of my mentality is if you make your training more difficult than than your match, then the match should technically be easier. Um, so you know that's kind of the what I keep drumming into you boys anyway, when you've got sort of bowling machine balls flying around your head. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you mention that because I actually texted just a few months ago because uh, obviously I've been doing a little bit of running for charity and it was actually you who kind of inspired me to come up with a challenge which involved running because the pre-season year before, year before last, I think we, we, we could have had a full-on there. Uh, a full-on fight on the roundabout at Sainsbury's because you were, you were trying to get me to keep up with everyone else. And I was like, it, like a scene from Titanic, I was saying, please let go, Jack. Please let go. And you were like, no. So that was, that. you know, for someone as a senior player, it's fantastic to have someone who, who will go toe-to-toe, you know, and make us want to, want to be that little bit better. Yeah, sure. And look, the point is as well, how many other cricket teams are putting in that sort of effort, training for two hours, then going for a, a 3K run as a team, then having a couple of beers in the bar. You know, it's, it's massively time-consuming, but those sorts of things are doing a little bit more than everyone else. They pay off in the long run, you know. Um, all good teams that, that I've seen, you know, drink 
drink copious amounts of, of alcohol, you know, and it's, it's because it, it brings them closer together as a team. You know, you're all relaxed. You all talk openly and honestly when you're having a few drinks in the bar. And um, ultimately, that makes better, better teams, in my opinion. Well, I do, I do remember where we played, and it, this is the, the irony of it. It was, a, it was a bit of a innocuous Sunday away game. We played Didsbury in the Cheshire Cup quarter final, which is probably round oh, yeah. two, and we ended up coming yeah. back to the club. And I think we ended up in in uh, off the wall in Chester, and there was a Latin American dance night <laughs> going on. Um, and and I know it, it really, it really did escalate. Uh, Nick James and. And Rick Moore were in there learning a few steps as well, but some serious moves. <laughs> some serious moves, but they're the little moments that that do knit the side together. But um, just just finishing up now, really. So, do you where do you see you your cricket, your coaching in the next three four years? Cricket wise, well, I'm due to have a double hip operation. Obviously, before this pandemic, I was um, I was in line to have. Um, hip resurfacing um, which is just shy of hip replacement I suppose and um, something similar um, which by all accounts was would allow me to, to sort of play sports and do things um, things of that sort of nature um, so I'm hopeful of that you know uh, never say never um, could be coming off the long run um, at Philkins Lane <laughs> again um, but in terms of coaching look it's it's difficult um, especially at the higher levels there's limited opportunities um, but again it's just about you know waiting for that opportunity to get your foot in the door and when you know you you get that opportunity you take it and you you know you're all in so um, yeah enjoy my coaching carry on at, at Chester um, and see what comes of it really Fantastic. Well, look, Will, I feel like I've glossed over 90% of the things I wanted to talk about, but we could go on all day. But uh, one thing I'd say is since you've come to the club, you've been a fantastic person to play with. Yeah. Someone I've enjoyed arguing with more than anyone else. Um, <laughs> but uh, always good to have a beer in the bar. And uh, I've got to be nice to you as coach because I still fancy myself to have a little bat in the first team. Well, you're going to win the yo-yo test in pre-season. Anyway, pre-season in August. Well, I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> no, cheers, Lee. I just, I just make the point as well, Lee uh, and Will. Tell me if this is fair, but I, I genuinely think that uh, Chester won the league year before last uh, because of Will and Keggy opening the bowling. In so much as we talk about spin, we talk about pace, but those kind of those in between bits, uh, I don't think people handled it. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was that relentless pressure, wasn't it? Yes. where we were building pressure from both ends, whereas a lot of the time when one bowler's bowling well, often the bowler at the other end isn't able to, 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 to match that level of pressure and what have you, um, which then allows the batters to release and, and yeah. score or whatever. Whereas I felt that, that it was like a vice, wasn't it, ultimately? You know, I was bowling one end, Keggy was going the other for 18 overs each, and it was just, where do you go? <laughs> we, 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 we were bowling the overs in like two and a half hours as well. Yeah. Which again, Which yes. massive. Yes. Guys. Thanks, Willow. Yeah. Thank Very you good. Too. Thanks. The Full Toss Podcast from Chester Borton Hall. Right, that will just about do it for another edition of the Full Toss Podcast. 
Many thanks to Will Owen in Broughton, to David Lloyd down in Barry Island, and of course, as ever, to Lee Dixon over there in Flint. We'll catch you next time round. If you do want to be involved, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, of course, thanks again, and we'll catch you soon. Stay safe. Stay safe.